All right. Welcome back to another edition of the Road Dogs podcast. I'm your host, Nick Shaw, joined by my cousin and co-host, Josh Shaw. Josh, say hi. I'm in a hockey mood uh, for a lot of reasons. I got a hockey hat on. Watched, uh, probably going to watch some college hockey tonight, maybe. You know, we're just going to mix it up in the hockey world. It's, it's January now. Welcome to the new year. Uh, you know, hockey season. Let's go. Hockey season. Welcome to the new year. Thank you for everybody who listened last year and is joining us on this journey for 2023. Uh, we'll be discussing Slapshot today, which was Josh's pick. So. You sound like you're like a waiter now being like, yes, and today we have the wine here. It is a vintage. Like you sound like the waiter listen, from the menu right now. Listen, listen, last week I was <laughs> depressed. This week I sound like a waiter. Like I'm sick, man. Cut me some slack. I've, I got sick again. I'm not, trying, I'm not trying to call you out like, get, get out of here. I'm just like, it's a very, like, I kind of like this of like, yes, this film was directed by uh, George Roy Hill. It stars Paul Newman based on a script by... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you got the movies <laughs> instead of nicole kidman we should have you do the amc ads they're just like truly i think everybody would be asleep in the movie theater before the movie started though <laughs> i don't love it if it's just like all right nick we're rolling you just walk onto the set you're like yeah um i like movies welcome to the movies we're gonna watch a movie let's go and then it's just like roll the trailers Sometimes I like to get popcorn, and I put M&M's in the popcorn because it's salty and sweet. See at the movies. But not too often, though, because it's really unhealthy for you. I'm trying to watch my <laughs> cholesterol. My doctor said I should really watch that this new year. So and I'm trying cut. to prioritize this. <laughs> Anyways, hope you enjoy Babylon. Thanks for coming to the movie theaters. I would gladly take that job, but uh, I, I mean, don't think it's going to be opening up it? anytime soon. <laughs> Oh, yeah, because the beauty of the Nicole Kidman commercial, now that we're way off track, is, like, there's nothing that dates it. Like, it's just her watching a movie, sitting down in a theater. You can put whatever you want on the screen. It could be, like, unlimited options there. I think we talked about this on the previous episode, but I find it very comical that you can go to an AMC movie theater and be presented by Nicole Kidman and then followed by Tom Cruise thanking you for coming to the movie theater. It's just, it's just poetic justice right there. Well, it's also odd because they're saying the same thing. It's like, thank, like, could you imagine going somewhere? They're like, thank you for coming. And you're like, yeah, no problem. And they're like, thank you for coming. <laughs> All right, now here's your meal. Like, it's such an odd setup. Uh, welcome to Slapshot. This is, um, uh, Nick, you're, this is your first time watching this movie, correct? Yeah, first time all the way through. What'd you think? Give me a little rundown here. So, I didn't love it. I'm mm-hmm. not certain that I will probably revisit it anytime soon, but I did enjoy it as an artifact, right? Of like, <clears throat> we've talked about this on the show before, of like, just the the idea of capturing something on film and the old metal cars and guys skating around without fucking helmets on and like the like the ingenuity of the camera moving on the ice, like there's no steady cam at this point. So some of those shots are pretty wow. impressive. Um, I loved how there was no music during the hockey. Like it made them seem almost like gladiators gladiator fighters more than hockey players um but uh the thing that i really enjoyed about the most and you and i discussed it off mic, but i enjoy george george roy hill's approach to like grifters and no good characters people who are like kind of outcasts of society like um butch cassidy and the sundance kid like you brought up the sting people who are kind of in the pursuit of screwing the man and i think that's kind of like a definitely through line in this movie too there's like a very 
and this is one of the things that I love about this movie before I get into my whole like first experience with Slapshot, is it feels very much like an immersive journalism piece where like they're actually in the rank the team that is is based on is playing in. They're just filming in the town. Like if this was made today, it'd be like, all right, so you want to set this Pennsylvania, we'll go to like we'll go to Vancouver, we'll do some B-roll there for the exterior stuff. We'll maybe go to Atlanta. But they're like, no, we'll just fly to Jonestown or Johnstown, we'll just film it there. It's cool. Where it just seems like they're just letting the guys actually play hockey. Like there's no mm-hmm. there's no script of like, all right, Paul, you're gonna go to the point and Mike Lonkin, he's gonna go behind the net and then you pass it to him. It just feels like, all right, guys, here's what has to happen. It's like a curb episode. Just play yeah. hockey. If we get there, we get there. Sure, yeah. They're, they're, we have a goal for the scene where it has to end. <laughs> How we get there is completely up to you guys. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Like, sure, maybe the team that's <laughs> going to win has to win, but how you guys decide to beat the shit at each other and who score who scores when is is completely up to you. And that was kind of one of the questions I had for you, and maybe you have this later down the road for the show, is I wonder how many of these guys actually learned how to skate. We will get into that, but I will say there are far more hockey players in this movie than there are actors. Like 90% of the team of the Chiefs are hockey players. And they did a really, really good job, especially for 1977 hiding that, because I wouldn't have known. Like, it is... It's just great. Like the whole, like the hairs are looking great. The vibe, there's like a grunge. There's also these moments where, like, the, I don't know if it was on your copy or not, but where, like, the audio didn't sync to the voices exactly. Oh, 100%. <laughs> and it almost adds to this charm of the movie where you're like, oh, this is fun. This is just like kind of like a, a fun artifact, like you said. Yeah, like when Braden goes up to like turn off the radio and the guy bites his hand, the audio completely doesn't match. But what I love about that, like we've talked about, is like, Someone was sitting on a program doing that on a final cut, just going in and out for points. Somebody took a blade and like strategically cut those film reels. Like there's something, I don't know, like you said, as an artifact, there's just something kind of beautiful about that. Like the beautiful mistakes, I guess. And there's a gorgeousness to like, you're seeing Paul Newman, the last gasp was physical prime. You're seeing a director do something that you haven't really seen prior to this. We'll talk about how few hockey movies there were before and even now, but like, there's just not movies like this that are made in general for a lot of good reasons and a lot of bad reasons, <laughs> um, which we'll get into later. But like, there is this mystique of this is just like, they just went to this town, they filmed this movie. Here's what happened. Um, my first experience with Slapshot is ancient. Like I would go to Blockbuster as a kid and there were three things I would rent all the time. This is how far back we're going. It was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, a 1990 movie. Actually, I'm going to warn you, Nick. We're, we're doing on this show at some point. I mean, Cowabunga, I'm totally for it. <laughs> That's my boy. That's my boy. <laughs> Number two, it was the Drake and Josh season one DVD pack. Because there was a scene <laughs> where Josh Peck would walk into, into the room dressed up like his aunt or like as, as his mom. I don't know, whatever. And like Drake Bell has something funny he says that always killed me as a kid. So I would just mm. watch that over and over again. And number three was Slapshot. I would rent the hell out of Slapshot as like a eight-year-old kid which tells you a lot about how i became who i am um the more i doubt <laughs> and i would watch this movie all the time and i was always just like i love sports i love the violence of it i love the swearing as a little kid there was a halloween where three of my friends when we were at least like i don't know 10 were the hansen brothers nice. and i was the guy from slipknot which is an odd pairing but you know it is what it is and I just, I love this movie as a kid. And it wasn't until I watched The Last Movie Stars by Ethan Hawke. I don't know if you've seen that yet. I, it's on my watch list for 2023. 
for those who don't know, it's a documentary about Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward, their marriage, their career that kind of tracks them all the way through. And I watched that primarily because of Slapshot. And I was like, oh, well, I know Paul Newman's a famous star. I loved him in Slapshot as a kid. This is an interesting project. Let's watch it. And by episode five, they kind of get into Slapshot. And Newman talks about it beautifully of like, oh, it's about the American system. And at first, I was like, get the fuck out of here. It's a movie. <laughs> it's a movie about guys who skate on ice and beat people up. It's not that that like complex, Paul. And then I thought about it, and he finishes the statement. I was like, oh, my God, he's absolutely right, isn't it? And there's like this reappraisal that I've been going through with Slapshot the last like month since that documentary came out of just like, wow, this movie is really deep, and it's got something really personal to say. Yeah, and we've talked about that a lot on this podcast, dealing with the fallout of Nixon administration and and the lack of trust in your government and the lack of trust in people, really, you know? And that's a big part of this movie. You can definitely tell this is 1970s for all the reasons we already mentioned, but just, like, the general tone of it, the fact that, like, these mills are closing in the background, and there's Mm -hmm. that great line where Ned Braden is like, what the fuck are these guys going to do with their lives? Like, what's left for them? Right. And Newman is just kind of like obnoxious to it. And then he's like, well, you know, whatever, I'm wrong. Well, and what's the beauty of that, too, is like they are they think that they are from a position to look not down on the guys who work at the mill, yes. but be like, what the fuck are they going to do? It's like, dude, what the fuck are you going to do? Like, you're a loser. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like Reg, what's the season ends? You got nothing left in the tank. You got nothing, nothing to go. I do love like the delusional. The more I slept on this movie, the more I appreciated Paul Newman as just like this delusional maestro of violence, like throughout the movie. There's a great Rolling Stone quote that kind of sums up Slapshot that I just want to read real quick. Rowdy, raunchy, hilarious, absurd, deeply depressed, and profoundly human, often all at the same time. Slapshot is refreshingly devoid of phony, uplift, or showy monologues. There's no jerking of tears or pulling on heartstrings, no big lessons to be learned beyond the harsh reminder that sports are a business. The passion of its fans and the heroics of its players are ultimately less important than the clang of the cash register. Mm. It's really, really like an interesting movie that contrasts all the other sports movies as well in that regard. Of there are so many movies where it's like, well, they transcend above their obstacles and what, what the hell what the front office tells them, what everyone else tells them. And this movie just like what everyone else tells me kind of comes true. And it's like, well, can they like get through that? Is a very interesting take too on the sports genre. I will say. I didn't find this movie that funny. I I, I agree really? with the depressing thing more than anything. Yeah, I don't I don't find myself laughing a lot, and like I don't know if that's purposeful, but like to me, it felt like some of the commentary was like our des- desensitized like view of violence, right? Like everybody as the as the team <laughs> as the team becomes more violent, they become more successful. You can visibly see the crowds get bigger, and like the jokes like don't land for me in in a humorous way they land for me as like almost like i said like they're like gladiators like the violence is not funny to me (laughs) the blood in this movie for 1977 like the violence looks so real the punches look like they really hurt like no one gets unscathed like i I really genuinely believe like these guys are beating the shit out of each other and they do a great thing of like there's that cut above paul newman's eye and he has that bandit on for at least like 35 minutes it's not Mm -hmm. just like oh he's fine it's like people are commenting on it. They're like, oh, you look tough and like all this other stuff. And you're right where like the violence of this movie. And I want to talk about this now while we're here. It's not celebrated either is another key takeaway I had as an older man rewatching this is it's not like, oh, yeah, look at them. go. Oh, they're really taking it to them. It's like, no, the only way they can try and save their lives basically 
is to resort to becoming goons and only one of them, Bridge, actually knows that this is like all a facade. And Ned and, and Johnny are against it, but everyone else is like, yeah, let's go, not knowing to be manipulated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think you're 100% right. Nick, I want you to explain the plot of Slapshot in 60 seconds or less. I want to see how you're going to I'm so bad at this. I feel like this is simple, though. You know, like, you got a very simple through line here. I'm going to put right. my timer. Let's just get, get caught up on the town. Okay, so they're in Charlestown. It's a, it's a mill town, um, a lot of steam, a lot, a lot of iron. It's made. not a real town, though. It's based off this town called Jones, Johnstown. Um, it's in Pennsylvania, we think. And, and Reggie, Reggie's divorced. He's got a wife, Francine, who he still loves. 60 seconds. <laughs> Are you ready? I am ready. Go. Okay. We meet Reggie Dunlop. He is the captain and coach of the Charlestown Chiefs. Uh, The team is in disarray financially. They're about to be sold. Uh, Reggie doesn't know what to do, so he resorts to violent play to get his team inspired. Uh, They find these three guys, the Hanson Brothers, one of the best intros in film history, who really kind of elevate the team's violence to the next level. Um, They then have the fallout and the ramifications of being bloodthirsty hockey players uh it doesn't work out the way they think it's going to work out three seconds reggie finds out the team's going to get sold either way so he doesn't really know what to do so he tries to play the last game clean uh spoiler alert they don't play clean but uh (laughs) they wind up winning the championship anyways in a really really stupid ending um and then (laughs) reggie reggie goes down to minnesota to coach with all of his goons with him you got it you got 10 seconds left i feel like you did that pretty cleanly i'm proud of you Thank you. I think that was my best one in a while. It was. And I think you, you hit on something pretty smartly um, that I am now blanking. Oh, oh thank you. <laughs> Pat myself on the back. <laughs> the Hanson brothers, they are the funniest part of this movie because it's just like these three wild like animals just stepping onto the ice. And like they're, I don't even know how to describe them completely without being like offensive. But when they're just like, no, that's my car. I won this lap. <laughs> they're just these giant children. I love, I have it in my notes that the Hanson Brothers intro is one of the best of all time. When they're just literally. Really, you think that. Oh, my God. How he just walks into the train station and just hear boom, 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 boom. And he's like, what the hell is that? And he walks around the corner. The machine ain't my quarter. Like that. I just love that intro. I thought that was awesome. That was my favorite part of the movie, really. I think there are two great intros of the Hanson brothers. It's that scene, and then it's when they first take the ice. Mm. I think that is probably the best scene in the movie in terms of like communicating what this is all kind of about, almost. Where like you see Ned's reaction to it, which is like, oh my god. And like Johnny's like, for Christ's sakes. And then you just cut to Reg, and he's just smiling like wider and wider as the crowd starts getting more into it. And you see this whole plan form with not a single word said. Yeah, that part's awesome. I I love too at the end when they're like, they're like they sound like little kids. We're like, can our line start? <laughs> hey, coach, we want to start this game. Would you let us start this game? And they're so Canadian, it's perfect. Uh, what do you think of the Chiefs' uniform, real quick? I, I've been wanting to ask you this. I mean, it seems to me to be really close to the Buffalo Sabers, at yes. least with colorways. Um, I don't mind them. I'd rock a Chiefs jersey. Would you? It's I would recreate them all the time. The NHL video games. I do like my high school, my middle school, and then like the Chiefs and maybe the team from Mystery Alaska as a kid. Nice. I like Mystery Alaska. <laughs> Just give Crow some some love there. You know, everyone talks about Gladiator. It's all about Mystery Alaska for me. <laughs> Episode one thirty eight. Mystery Alaska. Yeah, put it in, put it in the rundown. <laughs> Every forty episodes, we should do a hockey movie just for the hell of it. Nice. 
we should also, real quick before we get into like the pre-production of this movie, talk about how Slapshot has aged. It is the one part of this movie that is a really tough rewatch. There's a lot of colorful and harmful language that is not appropriate today. Uh, Slurs against LGBTQ community, disabled people, uh, you name it, they kind of insult them. Yeah. And I don't really want to make a big stink of it. I think this movie has a lot of merit. If you can accept that and move past it, if you can't, I completely understand it. This movie just, you know, not for everyone. Wish they hadn't done it, but I do think there is an element of this is how these people talk, and it is what it is, unfortunately. Yeah, I have no interest in 2023 placing those ideas, ideals and politics on a movie that came out in 1977. You just can't do it. So I agree. If you have, you know, any aversions to language like that, um, we're certainly not going to be using it, but yeah, maybe skip this episode. Nor is it a laughy matter either. Like when no. they try and make it the butt of the joke now, it is very somber. Like, really? That was, that yeah. was your, uh, your like, and it's not even funny. Like, it's just like, that's no. not funny. <laughs> like the line against her kid at the very end, the owner's kid. It's like, really? That was the best thing we could come up with in a script was he's gay. Yeah. And I also thought the part where like the guy who he puts the bounty on, he's like, you suck. Boop. It's just like, yeah, that line was awful. It's like, that was terrible. It is just kind of classless. So yeah. just wanted to get that out of the way. We should probably talk about the pre-production of this movie now. This is a really fascinating story of how this movie actually came to be, the more I learned in my research. Three writer Nancy Dowd got the idea for Slapshot from her brother, Ned. After graduating from college, Ned became a career in professional hockey. And by professional hockey, I mean uh, amateur hockey. Very much like the Charlestown Chiefs, Ned was bouncing around in what is called the North American Hockey League for the Jonestown Jets or Johnstown Jets. I always think of Jonestown, the great massacre and uh, tragedy when I think of this movie now. Uh, and the mm. Kalamazoo Wings of the International Hockey League. However, the hockey Ned played was far from what you see on television. In reality, is a lot of what you see in the second half of Slapshot of violence reigned supreme, and brutality was a key selling point. It was during his time with the Jets that basically Ned would call Nancy, who was in Los Angeles trying to become a screenwriter, and be like, hey man, can you believe this shit? <laughs> Here's my teammates. Here's what it's like. And Nancy was like, wow, that's really interesting, Ned. Thank you for calling me and telling me this. And then he told her one day that the team was being sold. And she was like, well, excuse me, what? What does that mean for you? And he said, I have no idea. And so mm-hmm. Nancy got on a plane and flew to Johnstown and just followed the team for the rest of that season. She then got an idea for a movie about this. And basically, we were off. I like that. I like that inspiration. Because that is working to mine a story. Right, that like you said, that like journalistic quality of the movie, right? Packing up my things and, and leaving the glitz and glamour of L.A. and going to a mill town to watch my brother beat the crap out of other men. Like I, I love that. I love the like boots on the ground approach to that, telling the story. And she would talk to like the players, and I would assume the wives and the fans of the stands, and basically just be like a roadie, like you know the booster team mm. that they have following the team, which is basically <laughs> her though in real life. And it's just like goes to that journalistic point, which is what you were kind of talking about. It's just like she would hand Ned a a thing and be like, "Hey, would you mind just like take bring a tape recorder to the wash or the locker room and just record everything that happens?" And that is actually some of the dialogue that is in this movie. That's awesome. I love that. I mean, I think we know which dialogue that was. (laughs) (laughs) I think we could probably decipher. (laughs) (laughs) For the sake of the script, she did make some changes. Obviously. The Jets were renamed the Chiefs, and a player coach named Reggie Dunlop was invented. But otherwise, what you see is kind of what you get. A lot of the people that Ned would play with on the team are actually used in the film. 
which is a very cool thing. The completed script, once she got back to Los Angeles, became actually really desired by a lot of studios and high-level actors, which is shocking. You're shaking your yeah, head. Yeah, I, I don't understand that. That, Like you've said, hockey's not a really... Well, we can just kind of have this part of the conversation briefly. No. Hockey is, out of the major four, is probably the least watched, right? So, I mean... Yes. Maybe that was different in the 1970s. I could be completely wrong, which I think it probably was. But I just don't see like a large market for hockey sports movies, violent hockey sports movies, no less. Well, this is also like, so this is 77. I don't think Gretzky's there yet. I think he's like coming on the way. But I think hockey really takes a big step once he obviously makes a big step with it. So you're thinking about like Los Angeles guys in rooms being like, I love a hockey movie. Yeah. <laughs> It is very odd that like that is where it went, and there was like an almost bidding war for the script. And this is like her first movie, by the way. Yeah, to me, like the place, like where where we are from, I think of hockey, right? Like the East Coast. I I think of like guys clearing off a pond, throwing on some skates, and shooting at a, a a metal barrel because nobody can play goalie. Like I don't think of Tinseltown when I go to hockey. I don't know. It's just weird. I don't even think the Kings are a thing yet, honestly. I mean, maybe they are. Maybe I got my hockey history wrong, but I don't think the LA Kings are like a team yet. I don't think they are. I don't think they are. I think you have the Golden Seals, who become the San Jose Sharks. And I think that might be it. I'd have to double check, but like, it's very, very sparse in California. But regardless, Universal Studios basically won the rights to the movie. They agreed with the picture pretty much immediately. It was at that time the former Best Picture winner and uh, Best Director winner, George Roy Hill, kind of enters the picture. It was in the midst of a five-year contract with Universal and needed a new film after The Great Waldo Pepper, which is a Robert Redford movie that came out in 1975. And so with nothing substantial on the table, he'll join the production shortly and Slapshot is up and running. I want to talk about George Rehill. We kind of talked about it in the intro. Nick, you rewatched The Sting for this episode. What, what were your thoughts on George Rehill in general? I love the, like I said, I love the way he tells a story about the everyman and the drifters and the no good, but uh, he... He has this quality to me that kind of reminds me of William Friedkin a little bit, where it does feel a little bit like documentary style or guerrilla style with the way he films. The Sting is a little less like that. It feels almost like a picture book or like an old time like picaresque tale. Um, I, I I'm not crazy familiar with his filmography, but he does seem to have like an affinity for like sticking it to the man, or like that was really kind of like one of his themes, like we've talked about with Butch Cassidy, which I'm sure we're gonna do on the show. Um, but yeah, also somebody who I think we look at as like a studio director when you kind of look at the, the people he's worked for mm-hmm. or the projects yeah. he took on. But really like saying something with the with the material, like even though it seems like this was kind of like just a, a job to kind of keep the contract moving, this movie's saying a lot like we've talked about, right? So I think somebody who might have like uh, almost like an Alfred Hitchcock where it's like entertainment as art. Mm-hmm. I think it's like a two-pronged or two-pronged, oh my God, two-pronged. Uh, a two-pronged approach with this of like, number one, it is in line with everything he wants to direct, like you said. But number two, per my research, there's only been 11 hockey movies made prior to Slapshot. You know, and of that list, the first seven were made from 1936 to 1963. Like, there's not a lot of like a visual dictionary of how to film and direct hockey for a script or, or for a movie yet. So in a way, Hill can almost like author it. Like, he can be the one that defines, like, how do you want to film a hockey movie for a mainstream modern audience? Mm. Yeah. And there's, like, a lot of great scenes, too, in this, of, like, great direction. 
There is. And like a lot of great, <laughs> I think this movie is edited very strangely. It's very abrupt on its cuts. And like, we've talked about this off, off mic, but there are some great scenes where like cross cutting the tension of everything going on in the booth. And then like Reggie's whole like scene down on the ice. That's really good. That's really good building of tension and storytelling. There's really good times of when they cut back to the bench and when they cut back to like a uh, side of the boards where you're seeing someone get hit. Yes. Or just like when we cut to the violence, it has its moments, and we'll talk about the editing very shortly. Um, but there is like this one other thing with George Roy Hill is like there's a couple shots where like I, I don't even know how they did it, honestly. I would assume that it's a shot where we're like on the ground following them as they skate, but like looking up at them. So I would assume it's someone skating backwards, squatting. With the camera almost on the ground, you don't. You know what I'm talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. Then you know what it made me think of a little bit. It made me think of Spike Jones in like the old really? skate, well, like the old skate videos he used to make, like Mouse in Zero Days. I was like, this shit is inventive right now. There's a fisheye lens on that, like right, now. like it felt like a skate tape at times, and I thought that was pretty cool. It was it was like a DIY style, almost. It made me think of The Shining. Yeah, it made you think yeah. of The Shining, but this is three or four years before the development of the Steadicam. And I don't know how they like, because like the shots are very smooth when we're on the ice with them. It's not like we have the camera on the bench and we're just going to watch it happen or we're in the booth. We're on the ice with these guys a bulk of the time. And I would assume they just have a cameraman on skates. It almost reminds me of Winning Time and how they film where they have someone on rollerblades yeah. following them up and down the court, where I assume that's kind of what they do for Slapshot. And it just really, really works. I think that stuff is awesome. I love that part of the movie. And I. It's the best stuff. It's it's the best stuff in the movie, and it's the things like we've said where it's like the camera shakes a little bit while it moves. Like they're pretty steady shots, but it bounces and it moves a little bit, and it's like, oh man, that's awesome. Like you feel very kinetic watching this movie. Yeah, yeah. One other thing we I want to mention here while we're we're talking about George Roy Hill and like oh a Best Picture winner directed Slapshot, and it's like yeah, is there is a ton of talent involved in Slapshot. Uh, of course, there's Paul Newman and George Roy Hill at the top, but Nancy Dowd, the writer of Slapshot, her next movie coming home. Went to the Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay, I think the next year. Unfortunately, her career kind of fizzles out before 1990 comes to even a close for a multitude of reasons. I want to talk about the editing now. Nick, you're going to be uh, astounded to figure out who the editor of this movie is. Do you know? I don't. It is Dee Dee Allen, who is a frequent collaborator of Sidney Lumet, Elia Kazan, and George Rhea Hill. I want to list you some of her credits, if you don't mind. Hit me. The Hustler, Bonnie and Clyde, Dog Day Afternoon, Reds. Serpico, Night Moves, The Breakfast Club, and The Wonder Boys. She's a three-time Oscar nominee. Yeah, I don't know what's happening in this movie then. <laughs> yeah, she kind of dropped the ball a little bit. I don't know. I don't know if it was the sound department or the editing, but there's some weird stuff going on in here, and it could be intentional. Who fucking knows? That's that's an amazing list. I just watched Bonnie and Clyde. Um, I'm not, not done. Oh, you have more? I'm not done. Doing the uh, the score for this movie, Elmer Bernstein, who composed another, another just staggering list of movies. It is The Ten Commandments, the Magnificent Seven, To Kill a Mockingbird, The Great Jesus. Escape, HUD, True Grit, My Left Foot, and Cape Fear. And that's just his dramatic work, Nick. He also scored Animal House, Airplane, The Blues Brothers, Stripes, Ghostbusters, and The Three Amigos. Just a murderer, bro. Between Paul Newman, George Roy Hill, Nancy Dowd, Alan Bernstein, and Lindsay Krause, who plays Lily Braden, who also got nominated for an Oscar during her career. The team of Slapshot has a combined four Oscar wins and 31 nominations. Or 32 <laughs> nominations. That's absurd. It is insane. That might be the most for any movie we've done. I think Goodfellas probably has a beat between De Niro, Scorsese, oh, yeah. Pesci, 
Well, Yoda gets at least one or two noms during his career, I want to say. Yoda's never been nominated. Was never nominated. Really? You're right. Yeah, I think this might be the most. It might be. And that's the other thing that's kind of compelled me to come back to this movie as I grew older and during the research is like so many vivacious group of talented people came together to make a movie in small town Pennsylvania about minor league hockey. It's just unreal. It's something very intimate for a, a big studio like Universal to go for. And like you said, doesn't really happen anymore. The last time I can think of any movie that didn't involve like professional sports is semi-pro. And that was early yeah. 2000. Or like basketball, I want to say. I don't remember what the production history of that movie is, but it is very much just like they got like these ragtag group of people just to make a weird movie. Yeah, it's not. I don't think there was much direction. On <laughs> <laughs> <Not> basketball? <laughs> no, really? We might have to do basketball at some point now. I, we might have to add that to the list of like the Day of the Dolphin, basketball. Let's just let's just get a Skater list. Of, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So we're kind of going to pivot now to the casting section of this because there's not a ton else about the pre-production other than like, wow, really good script. It's brought to Hollywood, gets made. As previously alluded to, Slapshot garnered its fair share of A-list talent with none other than Paul Newman playing the role of Reg Dunlap. What drew Newman to the role apparently other than the script is a childhood fascination with the game of hockey. He's from, I want to say, New York. His father owned an athletic store, which he never wanted to actually inherit. But Newman played hockey as a kid and he was always just fascinated by this world of like, these guys just put on skates and just beat the hell out of each other. <laughs> and I think when he found this script, he was like, ooh, I, that sounds like a fun challenge. Um, yeah, I don't... I gotta, I gotta go back and watch some old hockey because I, I just I don't get the appeal of hockey to, to an American audience back in this time period. I think hockey has become more popular. Like, it had, it had a time with Gretzky and all that stuff where it became super popular and now it's kind of fizzled out and then ov and kraus became and then it kind of like it kind of goes in this cyclical nature so i'm trying to think 77 i mean obviously i wasn't alive but like what the hell got people so drawn to hockey maybe it was like what you said there's 11 hockey movies and none of them are probably like a real accurate depiction just how i feel like there's really not too many great accurate accurate depictions of the nfl well newman grows up in the days of like rocket richard and like all of these old classics of like That's bobby or and like Jack Adams. That's a good point. And I think he probably hears about that on the radio at, with a father who's involved with athletics. And he's an athlete just by himself. He's a beautiful man. Uh, and he must have been like, oh, that sounds cool. And at this point in his career, he's doing a lot weirder stuff. You know, like he's racing cars. Mm. <laughs> he's directing movies called WUSA, which is a political satire. He's making a documentary for ABC about racing stuff. He made a couple westerns, the Judge, the Life and Times of Judge Roy Bean, and Buffalo Bill, where he plays the titular characters, and they're very oddball westerns. Like he's in a very different phase in his career. You you bring up a good point too about like, that's not necessarily seventy seven, but the heroes he grew up watching, like a Bobby Orr, Rocky Richard. That's a, that's a that's a very good point. He's fifty two at this point. For those who don't know, uh, Paul Newman is a massive star, probably one of the biggest stars of, of his time. I, I would probably say the biggest of his time. Yes. Yeah. He was, he was an icon, a sex symbol, and one of the more privileged dramatic actors of his time. He has 10 Oscar nominations. He married Joanne Woodward, one of the best actresses of her generation. And uh, yeah, he's also on the salsa cans. So people who are our age probably know him from that. What's your mileage on Paul Newman? I love him. Love his dressing. Great stuff. 
Newman's own. Uh, no, I, I, I love Paul Newman. I, I like he embodies exactly what we said about George Roy Hill. Like he is just he's he's from Ohio. I, I just not to correct you, but okay, thank um, you. But just an Ohio boy who grew up kind of like normal, and it's just like had the charm and the good looks. Um, and like back then, I feel like movie stars were dangerous in the sense like he was a race car driver, like Steve McQueen, same kind of thing, yes. James Dean. Like there was this like thrill kill to to your movie stars back then that I just don't think exists anymore outside of Tom Cruise that Paul Newman carried. But like, yeah, there's just like this smoky sexiness to him. He doesn't really All talk. Right. He doesn't talk that great. He has a little bit of a lisp and kind of like slurs his words at times. But every single scene, you feel like the guy's in control and like every one of his characters feels lived in. I don't ever feel like he's phoning it in. Um, it's a shame to go back and look because you look at the like people he lost to and you're like, well, okay, that's fair. Sidney Poitier, and then, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. That checks out. I, I'm okay with that. But it's crazy that it took, you know, the color of money for him to win his best actor. To only get one, two out of it is just like, it's such a crime because he's one of the most talented pretty boy actors we've had who like, I don't want to say he resents his wealth almost, but like, you do get the sense that he's like a giant philanthropist. He's donating a bunch of money to charities and like, he's not ashamed of it, but he's like, I want to be more than just what the money is. Like I do my job because I love it. And I get like an artistic thrill out of like making these films and playing these characters. But at the end of the day, I also want to donate money here and there and really like make a difference outside of just my work. And like, seem to be somebody of the people, right? Like I was looking up pictures the other day and there's so many pictures of him, like out in public, like at Santa Monica beach surrounded by people it's not like him kind of like cornered off and surrounded by security it's him being a man of the people so yeah i think that like you said through his philanthropy and you know his characters and the way he carried himself he did seem like a very genuine person um but i love his i love his danger i love his fucking danger man i'm like let's go Ooh. every time on screen yeah he's at the the march on washington with john woodward in 1966 i want to say he's boots on the ground there he would go for like political stuff, I think, and later in his life, not like actually campaigning, but he would go on the campaign trail for people and just like he was in New Hampshire, which is something I learned during the the last movie stars is he went to campaign in New Hampshire with someone, which oh, really? is just wild to see. So <laughs> a very involved person in just like his life and his career. Paul Newman's career is not like in tatters prior to Slapshot. He's making the sting in 1973, which we talked about. That made $173 million on real. To have that in the back pocket and then be like, well, I can take, you know, three or four years and do some weird westerns and make a documentary. It's just, like you said, it speaks to who he was. He also has Tower Inferno uh, later in the decade where he makes $203 million, which is just a movie like, man, this building's on fire, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I think Newman sees, like, the 60s are over. Like, this, this very, like, I don't want to say, like, simpler times, but, like, the the auteur and the avant-garde of like the 70s rises very sharply into this decade and i think he must see that he's getting older number one number two he's not going to be able to play like the leading leading like hot shot you know dream guy so he has to transition to like this tertiary kind of role in his career or like willing to be in different movies you know what i mean yeah and i gotta i gotta like not a question for you but just kind of like a weird observation it really surprises me, and I don't know his whole filmography, so I'll probably have to go back and look and correct myself. None of the new Hollywood guys really scoop Newman up and use him. He's kind of no. working for Universal, or like you said, doing like the race race car documentaries, or making weird kind of like um, 
anti-westerns. He's not really, you know, he he does Color of Money with Martin Scorsese, but that's in the '80s, well past the New Hollywood phase. He doesn't. I don't think he's ever worked with the Palma. He doesn't get scooped up by Terrence Malick. Like he kind of goes through the '70s without being a part of that whole entire reckoning. Direct the verdict. Can you remind me? Okay, because I want to say. I mean, you're absolutely right. He doesn't like. It's no. It's uh. Sydney Lumet. Yep. Okay. So that makes sense. You're right. Like he doesn't have like a. I don't want to say he's always good. Is the other thing we should say about Paul Newman. He never like phones it in. He's never just like mailing it in. He's always pretty good in everything he does. He's always good, but he's always Hollywood. Yes, he doesn't venture out to do like the crazier, weirder stuff. Which is almost what makes Slapshot so more appealing to me, is that it is so like different. Is like he's playing a pure shit as Reggie Dunlop. He's not like like there's there's almost two sides of Reggie. There is the manipulating asshole that is running the Chiefs and basically just like playing with this whole town's emotions and this whole team's emotion. And he's very sensitive in this role at times. Where I love the scenes wherever there's like a hockey player who meets him in the public. He's like, hey, what's up? You know, let's go, Chiefs. And then there's this, we hold with him, and there's this moment where he's like, God damn it. Like, I hate these people. <laughs> yeah, and like, even when he's criticized, he's kind of like, yeah, we'll get on it. You know, or, yeah, we'll, we'll work on it. It's never like, uh, he doesn't take it to heart. No, and there's, I think the, the great scene that makes me think of this the most is when the cops show up for the Hanson brothers is to the team he's the team is like i can't believe they're trying to take you guys away that's that's bull like we gotta fight for you guys and then he's like officers completely understand i'll go get them goes yeah. back to the team and he's like well you know they're not gonna leave guys so i think we should just give them what we want you know it is what it is and then he walks back to the cops like they were defending themselves and the cops are like what you just told us you wanted them gone too they're crazy I love to like the whole Florida scheme and how he acts at the bar. Like he's just, he really sells it for a moment where he just like, doesn't understand. He stares at the TV and then he's like, Oh, Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me see. He walks over to the paper and it's like, you conniving little shit. <laughs> Reg is a, is a complete ass in, in every sense of the word. And I think it's probably what appealed him to this character is like, there's not a lot of nobility to him. He's trying to sleep with like players, wives. He like, will get a call in the middle of the night. And this girl's like, Yes, it is the one like really sleazy part of like, come on, come on, Reg. Like the the scenes with Lily, I, I, I almost had to fast forward at points. I was like, they're not. They're first off, Lily's atrocious in this movie. That's the end of that conversation. Um, and like watching Newman like kind of play off of that was in the subject material in the scene was just like, ugh, this stinks. It's sleazy. I think he really uses his age and his physicality for him in this role in a really, really smart way of you get the feeling that like this guy has been doing this his entire life. He's been playing hockey and there's some really great scenes where he's talking to the gym and he's like, do you remember this guy in 1968 or whatever, this play and this, this win that we had. And there is this like very like different side that we see of Reg at times where he's not just like a one note evil guy. It's like, no, he loves the game of hockey and he kind of hates himself for having to resort to this. And Newman plays it brilliantly. Did you get, because this person is not uh, uh, portraying this person accurately, I almost got like Jerry West in Winning Time vibes from Reggie a little bit. Ooh. Like, this same thing that I love simultane- simultaneously tearing me apart, but I don't know how to let it go. It's all I know, right? I, I kind of like felt that a little bit. It's a really good pull. I don't know if it's that because I think... <laughs> 
I think with Jerry West, there's a lot more anger there. Whereas Reg is, <laughs> which maybe is played up or not, but Reg is a lot more like subdued of like, I have this war inside of me and I don't know what to do with it, but I don't really let it spill out. Like I use the energy it gives me to like play off of it, but I'm not playing to like burn everything down almost. Mm-hmm. I just love Paul Newman in this role. I think it is one of his better performances of his later career that no one really talks about. He loved this role. He calls it the most fun I've ever had making a movie. He calls Slapshot a magical film and that Reg is one of his favorite roles. From transcripts in Ethan Hawke's The Last Movie Stars, Newman said, Slapshot's a complicated piece. It has to do with our social system using the sports world as a metaphor. The chiseling, the team manipulated by shadowy figures in the background who had no hands-on connection, no allegiance, no understanding of that team or the individuals on it. It's just a really nuanced take on what is otherwise a very silly hockey movie. A take that is 30, 40 years ahead of its time. Like, we go over this every other offseason. Like, who's going to reset the running back running back market because the NFLPA yes. is not going to accept this bullcrap anymore? You know, um, what are they going to agree on in the collective bargaining agreement for the NBA, like, uh, for salary cap? It's... It's a commentary that is really, really, like you said, nuanced, but is really ahead of its time. It's still going on today is the other part that, like, I feel Slapshot is very of its age, but it does feel kind of timely in the sense of, like, like you're saying, every year it's this thing of, like, an owner did this, really? Yeah. It's like, well, we got to get him out of here. And it's like, well, you're not going to. They're the people with power, and they'll fire whoever they want. They'll cut whoever they want. It doesn't matter to them. I mean... What happened a couple of days ago with Dana White? Like, I don't want to get into that and unpack that whatsoever, but that's just a prime example. Or, unfortunately, the DeMar Hamlin incident of, like, the yes. NFL maybe did or did not want to push them to play in five minutes, but the players themselves are so used to the league being like, all right, well, you got some time to recoup, and then we're going to go play the game. And that's just how it was, and it's how it still is, of, like, people are so convinced of, like, the higher authority telling them what to do that they just kind of accept it instead of like pushing back against it, which is what Slapshot's all about. Right. Yeah. The thing of like almost viewing like they're, they're stock stock holdings. They're not humans, you know, they're, they're yes. not players on the field. I don't have any connection to them. Yeah. Th- that was just something too. That was really, really awful the other night too. So prayers up for DeMar Hamlin for sure. Mm-hmm. Great news coming in this morning that he uh, talked with his teammate through FaceTime or teammates through FaceTime. So everything seems to be trending in the right direction. We're a couple Excellent. days old by the time you hear this, so hopefully there's even better news. Yes, I But agree. you see this even in Slapshot, where the owner's like, well, I can sell you, but I won't. It, my, my, my financial advisor telling me it's better as a tax write-off. She just doesn't care. Like, it's just so like poignant and like really makes you think. Yeah, and like, like we said with his reaction, is pretty crap. They could have really used that to like have a platform to have, not not have a big monologue, but to like you know have a commentary at least instead of just yes. an insult. Um, but I I agree. Like you feel his anger because that's the same thing that we all experience as Americans every day. Like sometimes you got to eat the shit sandwich, and it's all he has to is like he's hearing this lady be like, "Hey, I I respect you putting all this hustle work for the last like." three, four months, whatever it is, doesn't matter. You're, you're not going anywhere. Bye-bye. Yeah. <laughs> Newman yeah. wasn't the only A-lister interested in the role of Reg Dunlap. Nick, I've been teasing this for like three guy. or four days now. Yes, I want you to. So rivaling Paul Newman's interest and also the running for Reg Dunlap was, Nick, take some guesses here. Okay, it seems like it's going to be somebody wild like that I'm not going to expect out of anywhere. So I'm going to throw like some random names. I'm going to say Dustin Hoffman for first pick. That is not correct, but it's a good guess. 
It's a good guess. Okay. Uh, Al Pacino. It was, in fact, Al Pacino. Let's go, baby. I did not look that up. That's pretty good. Al Pacino wanted to play Reggie Dunlop really, really, really badly. (laughs) It is biography titled Pacino. Slapshot. He he lists Slapshot as one of the movies he wished he had made. I'm going to do my best Pacino voice. Are you ready for this? Wow. I should have played them. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Let's get started. You know, everyone, it's, sometimes it's a process to get to your impressions. It's not just you just go for it. You got to really like get, get the fail, you know? I agree. All right. I should have made that movie. That was my kind of character, the hockey player. I read that script and passed it on George Roy Hill that I wanted to talk to him about it. And all he said was, can he ice skate? That's all he was interested in. Whether I could ice skate there or not. Believe it or not, Al Pacino didn't know how to skate. I don't know if, if that's like a big shock that this guy from New York who's an Italian like couldn't know how to ice skate, but he couldn't. <laughs> and apparently he was so enraged that George Ray Hill kind of like wrote him off after he said he couldn't skate for a movie that's all about skating that he was like, oh, I can't believe it. So tough, tough look for him. So I'm trying to think. Mm. 77, where's Pacino at? Just off of Godfather Part 2, right? Or something along He's those He's 37 lines. years old. I can confirm that much. Sure. So he's. What's he doing? There's so many ways. Because this is the way I think about this, because there's two, there's two ways you get this. There is the subdued inner rage of like Godfather part one and two of Al Pacino, or there's the manic dog day afternoon Serpico energy that you could be getting. Either one. I don't think probably works in the role of Reggie. No. I have I have the list of movies he's making around here. So Dog Day Afternoon is 75. We have Bobby Deerfield in 77. And we have Injustice for All in 1979. Those are his last three movies. So he's 37. Al Pacino is how tall? Five, five, seven, five, six? He's short. <laughs> he's, he's a short fellow. He's a short king, you know. This would have been a horrific fit, I think, for so many different reasons I kind of want to get into. Give me all your cut! I just like I like I just picture Vincent Hanna on skates. That's all I picture. <laughs> I picture it with the owner be like, "You're all fucked. <laughs> <laughs> you get taken out walking your dog." All right, that's enough. Hanson Brothers could take you out walking your doggy. But one of the biggest reasons I think this wouldn't work is Al Pacino is never funny. Like, like he doesn't. I'm trying to think of how to phrase this intentionally. No, like he's never like a lighthearted comedy like performance. Like De Niro will even do like Meet the Fockers or analyze this or analyze that. Whereas Pacino doesn't really do that. He has such an intensity. Well, Jack and Jill. <laughs> if that's the one card you want to carry to be like, he could have played Reg, I'll let you do that. But I think you're you're quite crazy. I saw Jack and Jill in a movie theater. Why do you hate yourself? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> It wasn't my pick. I don't leave it. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. You know, but the other thing with Pacino is like, and then I thought about this last night, Paul Newman commands respect from his team. And you buy this in this movie through like a meritocracy of like, yes, he's the coach of this team, but he's also on the ice with them, busting his ass, deciding who's going to be out there on the lines, taking the hits, throwing the punches. In fact, he's the first one that like lets himself get beat to ignite the team instead of like doing the beating himself. Whereas Pacino commands respect quite often in his roles through intimidation. And, like, you can't have that with Reg. You have to buy his players love him. 
I also don't like we like you said he's five six or whatever. I I don't think that he <laughs> the physicality Enough, for Reg- yeah he doesn't have the physicality for Reggie. <laughs> I mean, Newman's not a giant guy, but he's 5'10". He's probably like 200-ish, maybe, in this movie. Like, he's, he's pretty sizable. He carries a, a, a wide frame. He, he carries his weight. Like, I know, like you said, that's not a lot, but, like, he's very built in his frame. Yeah. And 5'10", like, like, look like you're six foot. <laughs> with skates on, too, we should also yeah. add. Like, you are adding some height with that. Whereas, like, if you add skates to Pacino, he's 5'8". Congratulations. Like, I... <laughs> Oh wow! Isn't nice skates you got here? That was awful. The other thing that's really bad, but she was just too young. I have to believe that Reggie's been doing this like twenty, thirty years of toiling in the muck, and he's ruined a marriage for this. Pacino at thirty-seven is like a young-looking thirty-seven. Once we get to forty, goes downhill. But until then, he still kind of has that baby face. Yeah, there's. He took a little time off from acting. There's some. Things he kind of had to straighten out in his personal life. So, yeah, he did put on some years pretty quick there towards the end of the 70s. I would have slap shot would have been the death of him because he's just in this small town, like stuck there filming for like three months. Like, what does Pacino get up to? I'm really excited for our like full on Pacino discussion because he's like, like, he has filtered into this podcast more than any other yes. movie. So, like, I'm really excited to go like balls to the walls for Pacino when that happens. It's just such an odd, like, what, like, why did he want to play Reggie Dunlap? So, like, I, I honestly cannot fathom as to what drew him to this to be like, I should have made this movie. Yeah, I don't get that at all. He's <laughs> not right for the role at all. It, it's just insane. Other actors that wanted a part in Slapshot were Nick Nolte, John Travolta, Harrison Ford, Tommy Lee Jones, Kurt Russell, and Richard Gere. Like Pacino, their skating skills are lacking, so the studio began to search for hockey players who could act instead of actors who could play hockey. I feel like Kurt Russell would have fit this movie like a glove. Kind of wish we could go back and get that. Give me some Kurt Russell. I'll tell you what. Give me some Richard Gere as Ned Braden. Yeah. See, I was looking at the research last night. Travolta would have been 22 during the time of this filming. I think he was angling for Ned Braden pretty hard. Too pretty. Too pretty. Richard Gere is really pretty, but he, he's, he's physical and he's, he's sexy and dangerous. Kind of like the Newman thing. Do you want that from, like, Ned? I feel like Ned has to be, like, this, like, not a hick, but, like, he has to be, like, kind of, like, a down-to-earth, like, guy who, like, because we talk about it in the movie of he rejects his family's wealth so he can play hockey, almost. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, but I think that he has the intelligence to carry that. I don't think Ned, <laughs> I think Ned's kind of a doofus, to be honest with you. Ned is pretty stupid. <laughs> yeah. But, like, he's like, so how is the guy smart as you giving up all of his wealth to play hockey? It's like, uh, he seems like a dumbass to me. I'm looking at uh, Gear right now. So he's born in 49. So if we get to 50, he'd be 27 in Slapshot. And Michael Onkin, who plays Ned, is 30, I believe, filming this. So you could make it work. And I don't buy John Travolta at 22 being married. I just That's true. The king of the world right now. I mean, Saturday Night Fever and all that stuff. He's just like, there's no bigger star right now. We are one year before Greece, though. Is is so like, he's not like breaking through the glass ceiling quite yet, but he's on his right. way. He's about to. Yeah. I think Kurt Russell would have been a really good Killer Carlson in this movie. Like, I think the actor who plays him does a pretty good job. I think his name's Jerry Hauser, but I I think if you put Kurt Russell in that, you do get like an extra edge to that role. Or Nick Nolte. Yeah. Well, <laughs> to... yeah. I think I'm gonna read this book about a time machine before I. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's like Warrior era Nick Nolte. It's not like 1970s Nick Nolte. 
They're on the ship. I gotta get them off of the ship. That's pretty good, actually. <laughs> this thing's going off the map. Coach, I've been reading some stuff about uh, these self-help books, and I think I could really take that out there on the ice. I want to be called Killer. Warrior, one of the most underrated movies of the 2010s. Really is. Another great sportsman we'll talk about at some point. Harrison Ford? I don't think he fits this, really. I think he's too straight for these kind of movies, and I just don't know if he would have fit in with like the, the funkiness of it. He does have the, like, like you said, of, like, the assertion of, like, I'm the coach, goddammit, like, but, like, also has the respect of his players. I could buy that off of him, but I think I do agree with you that, like, yeah, I don't know. Harrison Ford does not, in my opinion, get enough screen time in any dramatic role for me to have a say one way or the other if I think he could have been in half the movies we talk about him being in, whether it be The Graduate, this... More like comedically, like I think he's got like solid comedic chops. I think he's usually the straight man to the comedy, but he has a lot of charming charisma. I mean, obviously Han Solo, like, but like he's just rolling with it, like. Indeed. Yes, like there's a lot of charm that I don't know if he could bring like that to Reg the way Newman does because Newman is so like charismatic. But I, I think I don't even know if that's the role he was up for. It probably was a role of like the Hanson brothers. <laughs> Did you Pearson? No. Okay, so who's who's got to be? It's either got to be one of the top bills, like at this point in his career, he has to be like either Reggie or Ned, which would be weird, like because he's also a guy who kind of looks older than he is all the time. So if Gear's born in forty nine, Harrison Ford is born in forty two, so he's seven years older automatically. I think he was probably going for Jerry, who's the guy with the, or Johnny, the guy with the handlebar mustache, maybe. It's not like a nothing role. Like, like you get some solid lines in there. You're on the ice. You got your helmet. But I don't yeah. know. Like, so he's oh performances God, in this movie. I really wish some of these other guys had been in it. <laughs> so he's 35 at the time of Slapshot when Slapshot comes out. So who? I don't even know where you put him then, because like, there's no like antagonist besides the owner, but the owner is obviously a female character. Yeah, I don't know. This is a great podcast, you know. <laughs> it's not worth it. That is why most of the actors in Slapshot are not actors, Nick. That includes the Hanson brothers. While based on brothers on Johnstown Jets players Jeff, Steve, and Jack Carlson, the Hanson brothers weren't actors, nor were they all brothers. Jeff and Steve Carlson did play Jeff and Steve Hanson, but Jack Hanson was played by hockey player David Hanson, who the Hanson brothers are named after. Jack Ooh. Carlson was supposed to play Jack Hanson, but by the time the filming began, he'd been caught up to the Edmonton Oilers in the WHA playoffs. Thus, we get two brunette Hansons and one blonde-haired Hansons. Oh. Uh, I mean, it could just be genetics. As a kid, I was just like, yeah, that's how that works. Yeah, of course. Uh, I, I think we already did. I think they have one of the best intros. I love all their dialogue. It's just like the scene where Reggie's trying to pump them all up. He's like, you know, play smooth, play clean. Yeah, yeah, play smooth, play clean. Good, clean game. Yeah. Just like all the scenes where they're trying. <laughs> I love the part where the the GM, I believe, he comes into the locker room in the second period. And he's like, what are you guys doing out there? We're supposed to be playing like like maniacs. And you just hear one of the hands go, Eddie Shore? Old-time hockey? It's such <laughs> a good delivery. It's <laughs> just like, there's these such like affable goofs that yeah. like just want to go and play like, do whatever Ned Braden, or uh, Reggie tells them. And what I also love about them is like, I'm not sure that they're good at hockey. Like, <laughs> that's another part no. of the movie I like a lot. <laughs> we see one of them score. But then yeah. we also see them shoot a slap shot that hits the pianist in the head. Yeah. Which then is a great callback when he's wearing a helmet as he's doing the game later on. That is a good bit. So I don't know. They're kind of all over the bit place. 
Michael Ontkeen, who plays Ned Braden, is also a hockey player turned actor. Ontkeen played college hockey at the University of New Hampshire, my alma mater, hey. and leveraged his talents to get the role of uh, Ned. I think he's really good in this role. He plays Sheriff Truman in Twin Peaks later on in his career in the 90s. I think he has some solid stuff. Like, is he yeah. better than Kurt Russell in this movie? Probably not, but... Right. No, I don't think he's bad in this. I have not seen Twin Peaks. It's on my list of things to watch this year, too. Uh, Devin is currently watching it, and I've been getting a lot of texts of, like, I can't, but what is happening? And I'm like, I can't tell you anything. Oh, you've seen it? I've seen Twin Peaks. I watched it at, like, 15, and it's uh, it's kind of a blur, but I, I remember a good bunch of it. We're going to be doing some Lynch this year, too, for sure. Ooh. Firewalk with me? You want to throw the prequel on, and then we'll, we'll get you on your show? Just do Inland Empire, like, three and a half hour <laughs> movie. Likewise, Ned Dowd, Nancy's brother, was rewarded for his efforts by the production with the role of Ogie Oglethorpe, who is the Syracuse goon with the giant afro. Mm-hmm. Dead used his position in Slapshot to launch a career as a Hollywood character actor, assistant director, and eventually a line producer. He would go on to produce The Last of the Mohicans, Shanghai Noon, Wonder wow. Boys, and Apocalypto. Quite a combo. I know. <laughs> to be like, I'm playing awful hockey in the minor leagues, and now I'm like, I'm like producing Apocalypto. I love that. That's that's the that's the the dream right there. You gotta you gotta grind. You gotta play Ogie Oglethorpe to then get your way to Apocalypto when it Mel. <laughs> A bulk of the filming took place in the Johnstown Jets actual rink. Kind of cool. Well, I mean, the problem is. During filming, the Jets were in the playoffs, and 11 of the players on the roster for the Jets were splitting their time between the film and the team. Coincidentally or not, the Jets didn't go far in the playoffs. They lost the semifinals. Mm-hmm. Executive director John Mitchell blamed film for the team's collapse. If this happened to either of our sports teams, we would absolutely do the same. Oh, if this happened to one of my sports teams, I would probably have a meltdown. <laughs> if they were just like, yeah, uh, the Rio Grande Valley Ra- Vipers for the Houston Rockets. <laughs> are uh, unable to play, so we're going to have the Houston Rockets play in the G League. And the Rockets were just on one of those James Harden, Chris Paul tears, you know, uh, that ripped my heart out. I would be pretty upset. Yeah, it appears Aaron Rodgers will be splitting his time in his final season between this and a Johnny Unitas biopic, apparently, for Universal. Like, it'd be a disaster. (laughs) He's bringing Aaron Jones on production, too. Like, Oh, my God. I could see Aaron Rodgers doing something like that, though. He really could. Here's the list of injuries sustained during filming. In the scene where Reggie Dunlap goes to the goalie behind the net talking about Suzanne, both Newman and the goalie injured their groin muscles. Tough look. Yvonne Barrett, who plays the goalie, took a puck off his leg and was hospitalized. And then due to a deflected puck, Steve Mandelo had a cut on his cheek that required 30 stitches. Jesus, that's a lot of stitches. Like I said, this movie is pretty hardcore. They weren't, like, using a ton of stunt doubles here and there. Paul Newman did most of his own stunts. The goalie did most of his own stunts. They were out there on the ice, and what happened happened. Can we talk about the goalie? Denny? There is me, Denny the goalie. Yes, I want to talk about Denny. <laughs> I guess the Denny trivia later, but I want to talk about him now. The man's a liability out there. I mean, I've never yeah, seen, I've never poker. played goalie, but I've never seen anybody play goalie standing straight up. He's, he's like, he skates back and forth in the net at one point. He's not even really trying to play goalie. Like, I've never seen that form before. He's just, like, shuffling around. Like, he's not, like, going butterfly. And I'm sure, like, goalie, like, play hadn't had the, like, quite revolution it would come to have where, like, they're on their knees yeah. a lot more. They're, like, butterfly and five hole and whatever other poses that goalies do. But yeah. he's just kind of like, Ugh, uh, uh. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know about you, but I don't remember ever seeing Roberto Luongo do that or anything like that or Marty Brodor. <laughs> I do enjoy the like they do some hockey terminology like you're screening me, you're screening me, get out of the way. Yeah. Like, he's pretty tough. He's pretty tough in this movie of like how much money for do you think you can get to talk to that lady? She never looked at you in the face. Also, I'm not 100% certain that dude is French because that accent goes yes. from French to Jamaican real quick. He's from Quebec, so I would hope that was yeah. him just speaking normally, but otherwise, he, he insulted his native land pretty harshly. <laughs> that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the real life Hanson brothers actually did climb into the stands after a fan threw something in them in real life. They were arrested and later bailed up by Dave Hanson. In fact, many of the fight scenes in Slapshot are based on actual events that Ned told Nancy about. A scene in which the Chiefs took their opponents out during the, the warm-ups based on a real incident. Uh, so, goon hockey, baby. This is something, too, that has been wiped out of, like, all sports pretty much. Like, especially hockey. Like, they don't fight in pro hockey anymore. And if they do, it's like, you usually leave your helmet on. Or, like, you take it off pretty quickly, and, like, if it gets too violent pretty quickly, the, the refs will just shut it down instantly. But it is pretty crazy. That did last for pretty much all of the 2000s and midway through the 2010s, I would say. If not yes. longer. Like, I remember scrolling up being like, man, let's watch this compilation of hockey fights. I remember watching Ovechkin knock dudes out cold. Like, <laughs> on the ice, out cold. Yeah. Whereas if now I try to watch it, I'd be like, oh, they're brains. They're so ruined. Like, there is this, like, darkness to it now of, like, all these great, like, hits. Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah. Slapshot didn't usually physical wounds that left linguistic scars. According to Paul Newman, playing the character of Reg Dunlap made him swear more than he had before. I knew I had a problem when I turned to my daughter one day and said, please pass the fucking salt, Newman said. I saw that note before we did this cast and had a good chuckle about that. He swears a lot, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about some trivia swearing shortly. But like, it's a lot of cussing in this film. It is released on February twenty fifth, nineteen seventy seven. Slapshot made twenty eight million dollars on a six million dollar budget, really strong return. But the film was considered somewhat of a disappointment, mostly because you know, Rocky, which was released two months earlier, held the top spot from January fifth to March twenty third. Also, because Newman obviously was such a prolific actor that studio kind of assumed they get a little bit more out of it than they got. But like. 28 mil on a six million dollar budget is pretty strong. Yeah, I don't know what they're expecting here. I mean, you, no. you this is a this is a built-in audience. You're not gonna be able to to hit everybody with a hockey right. movie. <laughs> Slapshot was the twenty-first highest grossing film in nineteen seventy-seven, which is commendable considering its competition included Star Wars, Close Encounters, Saturday Night Fever, Smoking the Bandit, The Spy Who Loved Me, and Annie Hall. Not a lot of, a lot of solid films that year. And while shut out the Oscar Slapshot did get a best foreign film language nomination for the awards of Japanese Academy. Huh. So, you know, I wanted wanted to mention that one. I thought that was really important. Interesting. They gave the award to Rocky, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. Tough. We, we, tough. We know. we know you love Rocky. I know. How many times is Fox said in this movie, Nick? You gotta guess. I got I got some trivia here. Before I guess this, so the thing that pisses me off about this is this movie uses the word fuck so trivial. It's just like she pulled they up do. in the van and brought over the fucking car. And it's like there was no need for you to say fuck there. Like you didn't it like, didn't need to use it all. So I don't know. I'm gonna get say the fuck out of my way. I'm gonna say two hundred and forty eight random guess. You're you're off. It yeah, is hundred and seventy six. Oh yeah. It it seems like a lot more. This movie is taxing. It does. The dialogue is taxing. It, it is. I, I got to the point, I, I'm not going to lie, about probably 30 minutes left in the movie. I was like, I am totally ready for this movie to be over. <laughs> really? 
Yeah, I, I, I don't like the way people speak in this movie. I, that's why I didn't find it funny, I think, too. I, like, it didn't make yeah. me laugh at all. So do you mean that as in, like, you didn't enjoy the dialogue, or you just found, like, the way they were speaking, like we were talking about way early on, just kind of, like, too troubling? I, I really found it a bit of both. I, I found some of the performances also really, really <laughs> lackluster. I just, like, some of the dialogue in the booth with the announcer, it just, like, and then Ned's commentary back, just, like, it felt, like, way too gimmicky i don't know it just didn't really feel like a really well-written script it was like yeah i get it this is a point where you're sticking it to the man but like this is the wrong person to stick it to like you this scene should have been done when newman was talking to anita or like one of the many times they just let the owner i forget his name uh step all over them which is annoying in the movie too so yeah, yeah i just i really didn't have a lot of mileage with this i think there's sometimes where it's like the tone is juggling itself too much of like the announcer is so like comical and the gags are really funny on the ice. And then there's like this really deep, dark undercurrent, which we've talked about with like Reg and his marriage and like Ned and even his marriage that it does kind of, it doesn't handle it as well as it probably could have. No, I don't think it does. And the cuts in this are really jarring too, but like some of that, yeah. some of it's charming and some of it is just like startling. I'm just like, what happened? So yeah. How many goals does Denny allow? I got this on trivia too. I I kept track of it as I watched the movie. You kept track of this? I did. I think I missed the first scene, um, but I don't think he allows a goal in the first game we see. I think he does. Uh, I'm gonna say thirty-four. Thirty-four, dude. He lets up a lot of goals. You get thirty-four. Like we don't see. I think he lets up four in like one of the first two scenes. Yeah, but then that means he had to allow another 30 throughout the rest of the runtime, and we have to see it. I don't know, man. I'm taking a guess. Did you like, think that I created like a sim? And I was like, all right, let's sim the season from 77 to see how many goals Denny allows and compile it from there. The answer was eight. Oh, okay. Well, it was a little off. Uh, yeah, you know, just, just, just a touch about 26 off, but, you know, I like where your head's at. <laughs> Why are there so few hockey movies? That's something I, I kind of took away with this. It's like, I love watching a hockey movie. I've seen a ton of them. I've seen the Slapshot sequels. They both suck. The Hanson Brothers are, are always brought back in them. It's like, look, it's the Hanson Brothers. And it's like, guys, they're like 50 and 70 now. Let's just leave these dead dogs lie. Um, but why do you think there are so few hockey movies? My initial answer for like this time period going forward would probably be like... Uh, it's not marketable as a sport. Like a lot of people don't like sure. going to it and it's violent at this time. Right. So that's another thing that's kind of a detractor. And I think it's one of those things too, where it's a, it's a sport that was not that this is, has any bearing on it as being a problem or anything, but it's not our sport, right? Like basketball, football, like baseball, those are American baseball. classics, right? Like stuff like that. Whereas, you know, Hockey is rich in Canadian lore and culture, so I think there's there's just a we view it its value differently in in the Western culture. I think. I think filming it is also probably a big pain in the ass, and even like telling a script around it is. Hockey is a game of twenty three people on a team, and they're all well. At least there's ten people on the ice at the same exact time, or is it eleven? I think it's eleven because or twelve goalie five four yes. So you get 12 people on the ice all at the same time at any given moment. And usually if you're telling a story, 
you could tell it about a team like Slapshot does, but primarily we're all focused on Reg. So you need a primary protagonist, but he's can't make the team. Like, you know what I mean? Like baseball yeah. is a very simple sport to film. You have your hitter, your pitcher, done. Well, Whereas also you have to juggle a lot. Yeah, also not to cut you off, just to add a point too, it's like there are times where football and baseball a lot are static, whereas hockey is constantly moving. It's always kinetic, like sure. you're always up and down, which makes it more difficult. But I, I kinda wanna push back on that. I think I think you could film a really cool hockey movie now. And I think with chance in technology, I think not easier because it's still difficult to make any film but like some of the challenges technically and logistically are gone now so i think you could make a really interesting one i think the challenge is just like how do you like what era do you want it in because like i think the violence of it and i want to talk about this in a few minutes is like such an essential part of hockey and it's what most people kind of think of with it whereas we're going away from it so you want to go in that era where it is very bloody or do you want to go in like the modern era where it is a lot more like, you know, stylish and like, I mean, I love watching hockey. Don't get me wrong. I just don't know how palatable it is to like mainstream audiences, like you said, and also like, what is the challenge of doing it? I just, I don't think anyone has written a good athlete as a character. I, I don't, I can't think of too many great athlete characters that are dynamic, that are flawed. Like Reggie is a really good example, but there's not a lot of depth to Reggie, right? It's all pretty surface level of his motivations, and we kind of know exactly where he's going. I feel like you'd have to do a biopic about like a real-life hockey player. It's probably the best way to do it, because like, it a gives Gret- you that singular focus on the one guy. A Gretzky. Oh. A Gretzky biopic. I've had an idea for a Gretzky movie, and I've tweeted about it since like 2014. It's called The Great One, and what it would be in my head is always like, do you want the world to know this? Somebody's going to steal this now. Well, I, it's, everyone's kind of aged out now of like who my cast was. Okay. And I only had one cast guy, but I'll get into it now. So my idea was I watched The Big Short. And my idea was like, what if you made a whole movie about the trade that sent Gretzky to, to LA? And it's just like that whole process mm, of like behind be- the scenes wrangling. And I don't know if you've seen Gretzky's press conference when he gets to LA, but it is so upsetting. <laughs> It it is pretty upsetting, but just imagine, right? You open exterior hockey pond, and it's just Gretzky as a little boy shooting on like a like a tin can or something, yeah. And like you have a montage of him winning all the cups in Edmonton, and then it's just yeah. a screeching halt, and it's like because the Gretzky train story is fascinating. Of like they want to do this and they want to do that, and Gretzky was married to this model who apparently maybe wanted out of Edmonton, but we don't know. And yeah. who I wanted to play Gretzky for the longest time was was Gosling. Ooh, that's 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 a great pick. That's a great pick. It would have been a genius movie, and like I think everyone's kind of aged out of it now because Gretzky's twenty five, twenty six when he gets traded. Maybe I he's, he's like really young because he comes to the league at like eighteen. <laughs> so that was my pitch, and I, I always wanted to like maybe try and write it, and I never really have because it would be a lot of research, and like you know, there's that question of authenticity. So I, I never did that, but I think that's the way you kind of make the hockey movie. Is you have to focus on a one guy in a specific era because otherwise you're trying to juggle 23 different characters, and that's not including like coaches, antagonists, family. Like, there's a lot. I also think, too, what might be interesting, too, is like taking the PTA approach, is how I kind of look at it, is like a flawed athlete of like somebody in the NFL who's like maybe like leading a double life or taking steroids or knows they have CTE, like something like that, where it's like, 
someone who's kind of like a Reggie, maybe past their prime or doesn't know when to hang it up and is still in pursuit of like a championship or whatever it may be. But I think it'd be really cool to just like, again, I don't think there's been somebody, there's a lot of great articles in Sports Illustrated and ESPN Magazine and stuff about, you know, profiles on athletes, but I just don't really think it's been captured that way on screen. And I think that that's something that could be really cool. Let's talk about some of the few that have and figure where Slapshot kind of ranks them on the sports movie Pantheon. So I have two tiers, well, three tiers actually, and, and we can kind of debate where they go. <laughs> tier one, uh, tier one, I have Rocky, Raging Bull, Creed, Moneyball, Ford versus Ferrari, and The Wrestler. Anything you want to add to that? No, I think I, I, those are all good. I haven't seen Ford versus Ferrari though, so I can't really speak about Tier that. two, we have Bull Durham, The Fighter, Miracle, really good hockey movie, but again, it's not like a character examination. It is very much just like, they did this thing. <laughs> yes, by the number. Major League, Rudy, Bad News Bears, Friday Night Lights, Hoosiers, The Natural Water Boy. Anything else I'm missing here? I would bump Friday Night Lights into Tier 1. <clears throat> mm. I, I would put that in Tier 1. Time. I love that movie. It's and, it, and it does something that I love that um, Slapshot did is where... It's very kinetic in the way it moves, but there's not a lot of music during the sports scenes. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think that's really cool. It adds like a a layer of realness to to the movie and like vi- like violence to the sports. Yeah, it's not trying to like whitewash it, or even I guess it's not even the right word. It's not trying to like forget the fact this is violence <laughs> is what you're really right. seeing. And playing, you know, high school football that didn't matter at all. You know, it does capture that vibe of a of a small town who has nothing else better to do on a Friday night than to literally scream, cry, and bleed for these children on a field. So Great performance, too, in a lot of them. Billy Bob, excellent. And then Tier 1000 for sports movies, we have Caddyshack. Uh, <laughs> being said. No, it's, it's not. Re- it's, it, I could put it at Tier 1 million, and I'd feel good about it. <laughs> I hate that movie. It's so fucking stupid. All right, so where does Slapshot rank in this? I think it's tier two. Okay. I would probably agree with you. I think it's high tier two for me, probably low tier two for you. Yeah, it's low tier two for me. But I, again, like, I'm not seeking out a lot of sports movies. You know, like, it, it's not really a genre that really joneses me, especially as somebody who loves sports. I just don't think it's ever captured very well. I mean, the only person I've ever seen throw a baseball convincingly is Charlie Sheen. Because <laughs> he actually tried to. Like, he yeah. trained and he was a player in high school and stuff like that. Right. I think when you were talking about like the idea of like the athlete in the movie, I think the wrestler for hockey or like football could be a really interesting concept. I agree 100%. Yeah. It's a movie we both love a lot too and have talked about recently. Mm-hmm. And we admit Major League is just slap shot but dumbed down. I, I wanted to talk about this. It's the same exact movie but worse. It's, it's a carbon cut copy. Really is. Owner wants to move or sell the team. Players don't want to do that. They're all washed up has beens. They try and rebel against the system. Start playing the game the wrong way, and then it winds up working. Yeah. <laughs> I like. I was rewatching. Like the motherfuckers wrote Major League just copied Slapshot, but like all works out in the end. <laughs> yes, but like it, it. But like for for um, Major League, it's like an actual like triumphant ending. Whereas in Slapshot, it's just like, well, I mean, you guys beat the shit out of everyone, and this guy punched the ref, so congratulations. That part is, is awful, too. <laughs> so, 
I like how the Chiefs are not disqualified despite the brawl they incite and Braden strip tease, but because the Syracuse player punches an official, it's it's that's where we draw the line. It's yeah. like, all right, you guys can get naked on the ice, but you could not touch a referee. Not touch a referee. And the way he does it too, he's like, look over there. Like that was just awful too. Um, I had a little note kind of like piggybacking off you. I was like, it just really shows where we were at. Um <laughs> with entertainment that a whole town had time to plan a boo party for the incoming chiefs, a minor league hockey team. Like let's do a little bit better hyena sport. You know, let's maybe put on like a, a punch social or something. Like there's like, I think there's almost an angle of like the refs are so scared. and so powerless that like, they don't even want to call anything. Cause they're like, they'll just beat me next. So like, I'm just <laughs> going to sit here and watch, but it is insane that they just let all of this happen and Ned Braden get naked. And they're like, well, what are you going to do? No, no penalties issued. No, no attempt to try and regain control. But once, once that guy just hits him, he's like, "All right, that's it." Game's over. (laughs) I also love how there's no playoff brackets or anything. It's just like, no championship game. Yes, (laughs) like there's no sense of like where they are in the schedule or anything like that. It's just like, what the fuck? Really arbitrary. I love the delivery of the ref. He goes, "All right, come on, dummy, you won the game. Come on, pick up your trophy." It's it's not like. like hey congratulations sir it's like just go get your trophy and get out so i can go home boy they get their money out of get right back to where we started from huh i think it's played three different times almost as bad as wild thing and something wild no (laughs) are you serious no i i like wild thing and something wild i'm just being a oh well i meant do you not like right get right back to where we started from i don't like that song no Oh my god, I love that song. I'm sure you do. That really checks out. Oh, what does that mean? What does that mean that checks out? I mean, your mileage is just so weird. It's Bob Dylan, like random dance songs from the 70s. Like, it just checks out. Random dance. You got a little funk in you. I don't know where it came from, but you do. (laughs) But, like, I don't know. Like, I think I like that song because I like Slapshot so much, but I've listened to it the last week and I'm like, yeah, like, let's get, we gotta get right back. I, I, I hate all of this. <laughs> okay, but I will say this. I think the reason it's played so much is to accentuate, and maybe this is me like covering and, and making stuff up. It's just like these players are cheap and they have no money, so this is like all they listen to is the same radio station because they're like simpletons. Oh, th- they've burnt that cassette out by the end of the movie. <laughs> they they, they oh, yeah, flipped that over five times. Yeah, it's gone. <laughs> if you get every shot together, can we beat the Hanson brothers in a fight? Do you think? Easily. Really? You feel that confident we could take the Hansons? Every Shaw? Why? Well, I guess some, not like we got some tough dogs on the in the on the, in the family. I guess every Shaw I should like not like everyone that came before us, like everyone comes back from the dead and is like, let's I, go. Like oh. you and like two of our cousins, I, I I like our chances. I don't know, the Hansons have been doing this for a while and they do nothing else but play with their toy cars and fight. I like our, like uh, all, like it's just a numbers game at that point. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're talking about it now, we got to beat like me and you, I think, because they're older men. But like in their prime, like they got the tinfoil in their like wraps that they're just like beating the hell out of people. I don't know, man. They're those are like athletes, athletes. They're amateur hockey players who drink soda pop and chill and like do nothing all day. I'm, I think we. I but, like my chance. <laughs> But the real life people who they play are athletes that played in like a bunch of leagues for twenty years. I mean that's awesome, but I mean a numbers game, man. I'm taking the numbers. That's awesome, but I do a podcast, so like, who's gonna win? <laughs> <laughs> like, who, 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 I 
I might just okay. help them now. Honestly, I'd be like, all right, I'm going to join the Hansons. Actually, I want to win. Good, I'll kick your ass first. <laughs> Josh Hanson, I fit in perfectly. It'd be Jeff, Jack, Steve, and Josh. Nice. Give me the glasses and the hair. I'm in. Ned Braden paid $250 per Hanson, which equates to $750 total. When adjusted for inflation, Ned Braden paid $3,684. I don't know if I'd pay that much to get you out of jail, Nick. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I did the math. He was like two fifty total, and I was like, "That's a lot for seventy-seven money." And I did the math. I was like, "Jesus, three thousand dollars at the Hansons? I don't think I'd pay that for Nick. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money for this ass." This is the second time that you've adjusted for inflation on this podcast. It's always sports movies too. It's Caddyshack and Slapshot. You know, yeah. I bust up the inflation calculator. Um, that is that is quite a bit of money, and uh, you know the guy's already selling his equipment though, so he's got some money on hand. He's liquid right now. Come on. I mean, Ned's wealthy. I, I he probably can't afford it, but like he's living a hard about. life, you know. Yeah, his house is nice too. We see his house when when Newman goes there. Pretty groovy looking. Like he's the only one with a nice house. <laughs> he's the only one probably with a house. Like like Ned's in an or uh, Reg is in like an apartment. Francine's yeah. in an apartment. Yeah. Those old the row houses. <laughs> the Hanson's living out of their suitcase with their toy cars. But there is a great quality to that, like that, like strips away the glitz and glamour of, or like the mystique of glitz and glamour that all athletes are, like celebrated and live in lavish houses and drive fancy cars. There is a cool kind of like puncture of that when when you do see Reggie's house and the two smokestacks are in the background. It's, it is it is it is quite poignant. I almost feel like if you're going to make a sports movie, you have to do about the, like, wrong side of the tracks version. Because otherwise, it's too hard to, like, connect sometimes with, like, multi-millionaires who, like, have the best house, the best car, that are just, like, playing a game for their career. It's sometimes tough to connect, whereas, like, every sports movie is, like, an underdog movie. And this movie is, too. But, like, they become assholes, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. you know who I wouldn't get out of jail, though? Uh, if no matter how much money you know it was, if it was one dollar, if it was you know a million dollars, he's rotten. I don't care. It's Colonel Tom Parker. That guy's dying in jail. If, if it's up nice. to me, it's not for the Colonel Tom Parker Award. I am the legendary Colonel Tom Parker. You look lost. Get ready for the spotlight. We got a couple candidates this week. I don't know if they're strong candidates, but we got them. All right, so we got Hanrahan. I wrote Balding One Note Rage Machine. Who, he's the goalie that attacks yeah. Paul Newman. He's just like ah, like that's his. That's his. <laughs> that's his whole acting repertoire. Is just like I'm angry and upset and I'm confused. Yeah. We have Morris who plays for the Chiefs. He's the the Balding One Note pervert. There's a lot of One Note characters. He's just like. Like he's got this really stupid face, got a very he wide mouth. Like, looks like a yokel. Yes, yeah. and like he's talking about girls all the time, and it's like, bro, come on, you've never touched a lady in your life. Get out of here, you, you yeah. creep. Yeah. I put Denny. I, I wrote Charles Manson looking ass. He <laughs> he just looks like Charlie. He's got the hair. He's got the like shitty beard. He he's just Quebec, and he's just like the other fun fact is apparently you know, that first scene where he's showing about the penalties. He got those wrong. That's not what the penalty signs actually are. <laughs> so I think Denny's going to be a strong candidate. 
it's like, okay, we're going to hire you to play goal in a hockey movie. Here's a scene. And he gets it wrong. And they're just like, well, it takes good. What are you going to do? And then we have Jim Carr. I wrote this guy either smarm or shouting up a storm. He sucks. Yeah, I don't think there's many good performances in this movie outside of Newman. Uh, my mine is pretty clear cut. I know who I want already. Who is it? It's Morris. Really? I yeah, I hate him. I I hate. It's the it's the dialogue for me. It's just like ugh. every time he speaks, I'm like this, this was so unnecessary. Like this character He's didn't even need to be in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you should have just had like someone else say like his like the lines that matter because they convey everything else that I really need to. Yeah. Uh, I like Denny though, because like I feel like no one's making a choice in this movie. Really, is a problem with this award this week. Is like no one's like, wow, that's an interesting idea. They're all just like saying their lines with like a certain energy, and that's the only energy they apply. I, you know, Denny might be the winner too because he's got way more screen time, which I didn't understand either. He gets a lot of screen time. It, it, like it doesn't make any sense and then nothing to move the dialogue along or the story it's all like just stupid stuff where it's like the air it makes me want to puke like it sucks so yeah it might be Denis you might be right I do love when he's what is the line where he's like corrected by the GM and he's like he walks out to him he's like or something like that or whatever it is yeah he, he makes me laugh though like Denny's like so silly and one of the questions I wanted to ask you while we're here, is he good? He's not a good goalie, isn't he? He must be terrible. I feel we could cover this already, but like... I mean, I thought he let up 34 goals, so that should tell you how good true. of a goalie I thought he was. <laughs> I watched him, like, this dude just, like, they're like, uh, Denny continues his brilliant rookie season. And I'm like, this dude's 35, number one, or like 28 with like this awful-looking mustache and like combo, and he plays like a stiff wooden board in the net. A brilliant season, my ass. <laughs> Piss me off. It's Denny. I think we should just give it to Denny. Okay, let's give it to Denny. I don't want to get you any more than that. Well, he also has a weird, funny accent, which is why I think it's good for the, the award. You know, like he's not just, you know, he's doing a silly voice. <laughs> All right, so congratulations, Denny. All right, Nick, empty your notebook. What do you got for me? I really don't have much. Um, I'll give you my thoughts on this, but uh, I didn't really like this movie. Fun Newman, some cool meditations on violence. I may need to go back and rewatch, uh, but this just didn't do it for me. You know, I, I really appreciated some of the stuff that we talked about in the podcast and our conversation about it. Um, I think you brought up some really great ideas, and as always. But uh, yeah, you know, just one of those movies that I felt was a cool artifact of you, but I probably won't be going back to revisit it anytime soon. I got a couple of notes before we go into some more concrete things. I wrote first five minutes is terrific between that opening hockey scene. And then Denny in the uh, the Jim Carr show talking about the penalties. It's like bring the terrific charm when he's like using the stick to grab Jim Carr, and the yeah. actual card like mm, oh like it, it has like a certain like oh that's fun. I wrote this. the ice looks like complete shit in the first five minutes, but it's it looks like perfect. <laughs> it looks like just like spray on ice. It looks yeah. awful. It's cut to hell. It's been skated over. It hasn't probably been like Zambonian in like months. And yet I think it's like a great choice to like emphasize how bad this team is and like the era that they were in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wrote Newman plays devil may care a lot. So well, Hanson scene, just incredible. Uh, when the system asks you to fight back, spit in its face. And I love the line, every sucker for himself. Mm. There's a couple other lines that I really like. Um, We've got to get divorced sometime is a really good quote from Francine. I think she's really good in this movie as one of the performers I, I kind of want to like. She's she brings good. a very specific 
charm and energy to it of like you think she does love reggie but she's tired of him and it's dubious of like where their ending is there's a great little bit too where like lily says lily she's like yeah reggie says you've done so much better since you left him and she's like did he really say that and she enjoys like that for a second but then you see the melancholy of that idea kick in right after it's really well done That, that that performance is good and you get the sense that they respect each other a lot, even though they're kind of like divorcing now. Yes. Is like she respects and wants the best for Reggie, and like even that ending where she's like, "Hey, like you know, I hope everything's go well for you in Minnesota," and he's kind of still clinging onto it, but he's mm-hmm. also like, "You can go." Like I, I hope everything works out for you too as well. Yes. One thing I kind of struggle with while we're speaking about the ending is that ending that Reggie gets a new like job, and like <laughs> he he runs this whole town to think like things are going to be fine. And that even though the team is leaving, like there's some escape for them. And yet he's the one who escapes with a team and a new job. And it's like, I don't know if that's a rewarding conclusion to this movie. Well, I have a problem with how we even get there before. It just feels so rushed. It, it seems like to me that it was like they didn't really know how to end the, the script, how to end the movie. I think they, they knew they had to have like a championship scene. And we had written so much, not like filler, but it's just like, you could tell me those games at the beginning of the season, midway through the season, at the very end, but we don't ever know. That's a very good so, point, too, yes. It's just no like sense all of time. Of a sudden it's like, yes. All of a sudden it's just like, well, championship game. Yeah, I mean, they made the playoffs. Sure. Like, there's talk of like, oh, we're climbing the standings. But I don't know, like, are they in a late season push? Is this like do or die? Does every game matter? Like, what is it? No, yeah, they're, they're, I don't like that either. There's no sense of time. But back to, like, the parade. I, like... I'm glad, like, this is Newman's charm, is because if this is a worse actor or a worse performance, I don't care about Reggie at all. I would be like, he deserves nothing but, like, scorn and, like, shit. But because of Newman, I'm like, yeah, I kind of wanted to get this Minnesota job. But at the same time, I look back at everything he's done, and I'm like, I don't know if he just earned that. Like, has this movie earned for the ending it gives it? I don't think it's been earned. I think it's been taken. <laughs> I don't... I don't think Reggie Dunlop is a person who sits around and waits for things to, to be quote unquote earned or puts in the work for things to be quote unquote earned. He's a he's a mover. He's a shyster. He's a he's a shaker. So I, I don't he's definitely. I don't think he earned it. I think he ripped somebody's throat out to take it. <laughs> but the, but it then like makes you think that there's a team in Minnesota that hears about the Chiefs and is like that's the type of brand of hockey we want. And Reg is the type of coach we want. Reg is a bad coach. He just like he's a good okay. I, I think about it like this: he'd be a really good baseball manager because he knows how to play personalities. But I don't think he knows the X's and O's of hockey one iota. No, he he's, a motiva- like, he's a motivator. Yeah, he can coach off the guys so quickly. Well, it's the kind of the thing where like sometimes the best coach is the backup quarterback or like the third string quarterback. Sure. You know what I mean? So when you're like trying to like be the coach and a player at once, you know, unless you're Pete Rose. Cheers. Wolf. Like Pete Rose, like Pete Rose, Red just definitely gambled on some games, by the way. No 100%, doubt about it. 100%. He's lost a lot of money. I think that's why Francine's like, I've had enough of this clown. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I've also always thought about when I uh, listen to Kevin Smith hit somebody's script, which is a, a thing that he did uh, and is based on a Warren Stevens song about a hockey enforcer. Why are so many hockey movies like just about violence? Of like, we have the Slapshot franchise, we've got Goon 1 and 2, there's a movie called Youngblood with Rob Lowe. And add on to that, like, how many boxing movies there are. Like, why are sports movies always concerned with violence? Because we love it. 
we love sure. seeing it on screen. <laughs> I think that's really what it is. Um, but for hockey, I think it is so tied to its DNA as the uh, as part of the sport up until recently that that's why it's in there so much. Like, I guess yes, they have done a lot of strides to make hockey a lot more safer, but fights are still in it. Like, I yeah. think there's probably a fight at night in like most games around the, like the league. So there's I think at least there's a- also a giant part of it. Yeah. I I don't know. I just find it curious that like there's never like I try to think of like a movie like The Might of Ducks is like maybe one of the few feel good movies that isn't like violent in some regard. I, the Natural was pretty violent for like he could God. I mean, true, but I mean, The Mighty Ducks involves children, so I mean, that's true. It would be honest. Violent. He can't have you know like I don't know the girl's name. I'm the Mighty Ducks just getting the absolute shit beat after by the Hanson Bros. <laughs> It'd be like that scene in South Park where, like, the, the, the I, little kids see That episode is one of the darkest episodes, dude. Stanley's Cup. I, I've always loved that episode as a kid because it was hockey. And then as I grew up, I was like, oh, my God. That might be one of the darkest endings of that show, yeah. It might be. I just, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out, like, why can't we just have a simple, straightforward movie about, like, this person does this. And, like, like even the baseball movies are fairly, like, there's a darker edge to them, you know? Yeah. I think, again, I just don't think that the as a Western culture, I don't think we value hockey in the same way. I mean, and I don't think that people have really made anything interesting or something that breaks out of the form, right? Like, it's Miracle's a good movie, but it's pretty much by the numbers. It's the historical event. Um, yes. I, <laughs> I think like we the movies we've been talking about, like the great one that you just pitched, like I would love to see something like that, something kind of more innovative and not maybe necessarily focused on a like sending a message, but like talking about and ruminating and asking questions about what it means to be an athlete and like mm-hmm. what that does to you when you know you have to completely lift up your life and go somewhere else. What does that look like? I also think you know obviously every story needs its drama, and I think using that as your resort for drama is just like logical stuff you know Mm -hmm. like it's hard to divorce sports from the violence that occurs within them so in that way it's almost like impossible to make a sports movie that is without it um i just kind of wish there was like like many time i think is maybe the closest thing that's come is just like pure sports like it's not about like oh we're going to contrive this fight for this reason or something like that it's just like no they're playing the game like you know I love the basketball scenes in that. I think they're really well done. They're beautiful. They're gorgeous stuff. Mm-hmm. Is this movie as simple as it seems? I think the answer is obviously a no, but I kind of just want to talk about Slapshot's themes and the way it is like a much smarter movie than I think people would give it credit for. Floor is yours. Okay. So the biggest takeaway I had is like the female characters. And I know you don't like Louie's performance, and I'm kind of with you, but this movie in a lesser hands and the fact it's written by female gains this really interesting perspective that I think, especially in 1977 was kind of like the ignored aspect of just sports in general is that quite often wives kind of are left to the side so their husbands could make their own ambition. And I think of characters like a Suzanne who was Hannah hands wife that talks about like when her husband was gone, he had nobody like there was nothing for her to do. She didn't work a job because that was the culture at the time. He would go over to her teammates' wife's house and they slept together because they just simply wanted like company and like 
passion and like some sort of relationship that isn't like my husband's just gone all the time. And I think Slapshot just does this really, really beautifully that I don't think would like happen. And if like a man wrote this movie, it is way more violent. It is way more played up. Like, like Reg looked at as a hero far more than he is in this movie. And I just think that Ethan Hawke is a great quote about this. He says, it's a complete indictment of macho assholes. It's written by a woman. It ends with them all getting naked, skating around, all in brassieres. Yeah, uh, that's a really good point. I think so, too. And uh, one thing I noticed, when we cut away to the crowd, it's always a female. It's very rarely, like, a male's perspective. Like, I, th I thought that was interesting, too. Like, that's, that's an interesting meditation on, like, doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. We can all be kind of, like, drawn to the same things have some of the same desires and it doesn't really matter like who you are i feel like this movie at least encourages society to be like look yes the man is doing all these achievements but look at who's standing by at home to let that happen <laughs> and i think it's just a really really interesting approach to sports where we're not really focused on the man as the hero we're focused on the man and his consequences of his like pursuits where lily's watching ned talk to girls on the street and drinking all the time. And yes, her character is a little over the place, but like she's so miserable that with this life and she's our primary female character that she's not just like, Oh, you go get him, Ned. Like I'm going to give you a pep talk to encourage you to do this. Like one of the flaws of Rocky in the Rocky franchise is I love um, Adrian, but at some point her whole character boils down to like, I'm going to encourage Rocky to do something, you know, whereas mm -hmm. this movie isn't about that. It's not really concerned with like the females are just there to uproot the men. Yeah, they have goals and pursuits and desires as well, yeah. And Francie's a great example of that. She's like, hey, I'm moving away from you to New York because I got a job of my own merit, and I want to do it instead of being here watching your ghost, essentially. And mm -hmm. there's that great moment where she walks in the ring, she's like, oh, God, I forgot about this. You know, and just, like, the pain of, like, having to watch your husband or your spouse, whoever you are nowadays, go out there and risk their body to try and just get some ambition and, like, whatever glory they get out of sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, so good on Slapshot for that. Like like you said, it is a very interesting artifact of its time and like a relic, but it does have a lot of interesting ideas, I find. And there's a couple others I want to talk about, but I wanted to hear what else you had to say to this. No, I, I really don't have anything. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought about like the American system that Paul Newman talks about with this movie of the strings behind the, the people behind the scenes and all that sort of stuff and how they manipulate us and all that sort of stuff. So I think if people rewatch Slapshot, you'll get a lot out of it. It's like they're, they're pro they profit off of our division. Yes. Yes, they do. Um, we're going to get out of here, but I want to talk about some best line reads. There's a lot of them. Cut off my balls. We're going skating in Florida. <laughs> Terrific from that weird guy in the diner who just busts that out. It's like, cut off your balls. <laughs> it's very extreme. Skating, you're not skating, pal. You live in Charleston. You got a mortgage. You're not leaving. Like, what is he talking about? <laughs> Horrific. Uh, I love Newman goes in fucking credible. Just some great line reads. I love, I think this line is the entire movie. We were never anything but rich broads tax right off. We ain't hockey players. We've been clowns. We've been goons. We're the freaks in a fucking sideshow. I mean, not only is that a great line, I loved your read of it right there. That was great. Thank you. You know, I might take some of your acting classes you told me about. You know, I might just become <laughs> your instructor for the next semester. I don't and, know how that works. I don't know how that well, works. No, you just send them that line read and they'll be like, hired. That's the new acting teacher for the school. Done. Sure. Sure. Hey, I, I can reach out. I love scouts 
and then that hard cut to them beating the hell out of the people on the ice. That is it's a good just one. so funny. Still love. I'm trying to listen to the fucking song. <laughs> if I hear anything from you, if you do anything, and then just that, it's a great shot too with like the broken glass, the cross yeah. necklace, which is so ironic despite the fact he's covered in blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like the shot of like how he is so much taller than the ref. <laughs> Um, but that'll do it for Slapshot that'll do it for us this week Nick yeah I think that was a good episode a lot of good laughs but some serious talks at the same time Um, but something that you should definitely check out if you're a fan of the show is our Instagram uh, road underscore dogs underscore podcast on Instagram that's road underscore dogs podcast on Instagram what are we doing next week Nick you haven't told me this oh well we're doing the movie draft next we're doing the movie draft next, and then after that, I think I'm picking a documentary for a little tease. Whoa. Yeah. You should, you should just do a hockey documentary for the hell of it and just really play with expectations. Just do, like, hockey month. You know, our numbers have been doing much better lately, and I think, I think I, I'd like to keep it that way. Yeah, we'll do it hockey month, and then it's just like... Like, rate, subscribe... Next week, we're going to be doing the 2023 movie draft. Josh, should we give people a little bit of a like heads up of what that's going to look like? Or you think we should just let them go in blind? So, I mean, I, we can explain it like we probably should for those who like want to play along or like set it up themselves. It is essentially a list of all the big movies coming out next year or this year now. Jesus. Uh, we will be picking them. We're going to pick two from each category of drama, comic book movies, animation, horror, comedy, action, and I threw Wonka as a question mark. I don't know what else to put there besides Wonka, because I have no idea what the fuck that is. Um, <laughs> essentially, Nick and I will be picking two from each category. At the end of the year, we'll see who had the best list or who enjoyed their list the most. Probably talk a lot about a bunch of other upcoming releases as well. Just kind of hit on them briefly if we don't pick them. You know, there's a lot of movies to talk about this year, so just hit on those. Yeah, I look forward to it. And uh, I enjoyed our conversation on Slapshot. Like, rate, subscribe. Check out the Instagram, road underscore dogs underscore podcast. Road dogs out.